Welcome to The Next Track, a podcast about how people listen to music today. I'm Doug Adams. And I'm Kirk McElhern. Hello. Thanks for having us in your podcast queue today. We know you probably have limited podcast listening time, so we appreciate you giving some of that to us. If you don't know, you can find our stuff at thenexttrack.com, and you can follow us on Twitter at NextTrackCast. Today, we're happy to have an opportunity to talk about how a young musician these days can gain an audience, perfect their craft, create new music, expand their network, gain friends in high places, and at the same time, actually try to make a living as a performing and recording musician. Today, our guest via Skype is musician, singer, and songwriter Keelan Rose. Keelan, thanks for being on the show. It's great to meet you. Hello. Yes, very nice to meet you guys. It's nice to be here. <laughs> Keelan, we'll quickly get the thing out of the way about the pronunciation of your name. We were saying just before the show that this makes it a bit difficult for people to Google you. Hadn't you thought of like changing your singer's name to Ada or Martha or something like that? I mean, we kind of went over options for like, is there anything else? Could we call the project something else? But at the end of the day, it just came to the fact that this is my name and it's quite a personal project with songs. A lot of them are quite autobiographical. And really, I just wanted to also stay true to my Irish roots. And so it made sense, really. And I know it's it's going to be maybe difficult for for some kind of Googling, but I think it's maybe not not the worst thing. And, you know, it's, it's just being true to my name. It is your identity. And as I mentioned to you, I lived in France for a long time and, and hardly anyone could pronounce my last name correctly which is important for my Irish roots as well. But this day and age, it's all about discovery. You're, here you are. It's not polite to ask a lady how old they are, but you're a young woman about to embark on releasing your first solo album. I remember when Doug and I were in the 70s and everyone was forming bands and, and people were thinking, yeah, we're going to get a contract with a major label and all. Of course, no one I knew did. But these days, it must be incredibly, you, you must be looking into this fog in front of you because the music industry has changed so much and it's changing so much. How are you feeling about this? I mean, obviously you're releasing the record because you make beautiful music and I strongly recommend that people check this out. We've heard the single and, and seen the video, but what are you looking forward to? What what do you see as a future for this? Um, wow. Well, it's, it is a foggy kind of future, but it's also really exciting. I mean, like the changes of technology have like happened as I've been growing up and I've always been into music and the way I've been kind of receiving music has changed and but changes all the time and changes back. So like, for example, um, vinyl and stuff, I, I listen and buy that now myself. And and I just think it's just exciting, like with technology, my um my bandmate makes all our videos and we just embrace as much as we can kind of the creative aspect of everything. So um, it's, it's a daunting prospect because it's, it's hard to make it like sustainable sort of financially, but at the same time, there's so many avenues to explore. I think the key is to be like kind of multifaceted, kind of do lots of different things. That's how I get, keep myself going and, and that just means that there's hopefully going to be different doors opening and, you know, with music, film, kind of all sorts of stuff that we can pursue. But It's still the same as it's always been, though. Talent will rise to the top. So it seems to me that a talented person with a little pluck can probably still be quite successful. But it's it's just not as simple and as straightforward as maybe the way it used to be. 
Well, yeah, I think you're right. Like the working for it, like what we kind of envisage our future path, we're just keen to get gigging as much as possible. I think that's really, you have to be able to gig and make music and do like several other things, sort of have multiple strings to your bow. And so like we, we also go on busking trips. We go out, play, we've played around Europe, like I think three times, a, a few times now. And just kind of, you know, doing all sorts of stuff to, to keep ourselves going and keep the inspiration flowing. It's, it's tough, though, because music is everywhere these days. Mm-hmm. We're, we're old enough to remember when you maybe bought a record a week and listened to that record a hundred times because it was all you had. And, of course, radio wasn't any good. <laughs> and now, you know, on your phone, you can call up any kind of music from anywhere and you've got tens of millions of tracks. True. So on the one hand, people are listening to more music, but on the other hand, so many people choose less carefully. They'll they'll take the playlist that's imposed on them the, the way that we listen to what was imposed by radio. I guess gigging, you, you have mm-hmm. to build up a, a following. You have to get yourself in playlists these days. Isn't that part of it? It seems to be the key, like to get kind of, like Spotify really dominates a lot of how music is, who it gets to, basically. it's um, I use it myself. I... I like it and and I am like often compelled to buy albums that I discover off Spotify but I guess there's just so many different types of listeners and music fans out there so some who still do really love like supporting an artist and buying the album and going to the gigs and then you know it's it's just a bit of a a boggling world mind-boggling really there's there's so many there's so many musicians but there's also so many ways to find music and yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a big, deep, deep pit of stuff. So your, your record is called Awaken. I was mentioning to Doug that when I first heard your single, Awaken, the one that's in the video, we'll have a link to the video in the show notes, your voice reminded me of Barbara Gogan of The Passions. Do you know who that was? Um, the Passions sounds familiar, but I don't know the name. They were pretty much a one-hit wonder. There was this song, I'm in love with a German film star. It was around 1981. It was on the label the, with The Cure. Ah. And then the other one that it sounded like is Annie Haslam of Renaissance. And this, of course, goes back to 70s prog rock. You have one of these ethereal voices that that itself is an instrument and you use it really well. Your your music, how would you describe your music? I'm going to say it's a sort of low-key, lo-fi, slightly electronic, melodic. Finish that sentence. Yeah, sure. Well, I like it. I'd like to pinch a phrase from a, a blog that wrote about us recently called Line of Best Fit and they called it Focadelia and I just thought that's really cool because like I, I would say I'm influenced by a lot of folk music I've always loved singer-songwriter kind of guitar-based music but then I think we have we we do love other sort of more psychedelic more kind of Mm, also, it's really um, a mishmash between pop and folk music, uh, jazz music, everything. Like, it's a kind of, yeah, Delia kind of uh, stuff. <laughs> so, I guess that kind of sums it up for me. It's a bit of a mishmash, I suppose. But, yeah. The, the, those of our listeners who recognize your accent can tell that you're from Manchester. And not only you're from Manchester, but you have an interesting, I, I don't know if the word godfather is quite correct, but you've recorded and you've had some help from one of one of my all-time favorite musicians and and i've been listening to his music for nearly 40 years vinnie riley of the derudy column how did that come about you did four songs on his chronicle lxxl record how did you meet vinnie and how did this collaboration work 
Well, um, we both uh, live in a, a town in South Manchester called East Didsbury, and Vinny um, was a, a big fan. He, well, he used to go to this cafe bar that I like as well called Folk, and my dad uh, DJs there from time to time. And it was um, it was just a real coincidence. Vinny, I hadn't been so well and was trying to finish this album. And he was telling the manager at Folk that he really needed a singer to finish it off. And meanwhile, my dad had been telling the same manager that I'd started, uh, you know, going to open mics around Manchester and that I was singing and that he was, you know, really chuffed because he's a big music fan and as a DJ that I was doing all this. So um, kindly, uh, Justin, the manager, put us in touch with Vinny and just thought it might work as a collaboration. And it was quite funny because I remember meeting Vinny like soon after all this and uh, it was the day before it's a Glastonbury festival I was really excited and we just had uh, a lovely chat about music and Vinny basically said yeah you'll do and uh, kind of was like um you know he didn't even audition me but we just sort of got on from the word go and it was it was nice because I'll admit I, I like didn't actually really know about the Druidity column back then I think it was back in 2013 um and I mean, I've always loved lots of different music, but it wasn't it wasn't a band that I had I'd really explored. And but now, I mean, gosh, I'm so like I'm so uh, chuffed that we got to work together and we continue to to kind of jam from time to time. We're actually good friends now, and he has become a a, a mentor to me. Really, he's, he's great. It's quite an occasion to have a musician like that supporting you, and and. He's not that well-known outside of Manchester and outside of people who are interested in that sort of indie music, but he was the first artist that Tony Wilson signed on Factory Records. And for people, Doug, in our age, Factory Records was very important mm -hmm. to us. All that music, you know, Joy Division, New Order, etc. Yeah, which, which brings me to one thing that really impressed me about your music was that video of you doing an acoustic finger-picking cover of Joy Division's Atmosphere. That's wonderful. Yeah, it's tremendous. It, it's, it's one of my favorite Joy Division songs, and the way you kind of deconstructed and reconstructed it is really interesting. I mean, I, I guess you can't be in Manchester without thinking about Joy Division. E even if you're not a fan, they just pervade, they're just pervasive in the musical landscape. Definitely, it's integral, and they're kind of, it, it's just, you know, present all the time. You see, you see artwork, street art, you see you know, stuff in shops, you see it forever, the legacy kind of lives on and it's definitely embedded in a lot of the music that's around now. Um, I, yeah, and I, Vinny, it's quite special, the the Joy Division um, link, Vinny obviously loved Ian Curtis as well and he's told me stories about him and I think that, it was weird when that cover came about, it was just like, I was just, I don't, I don't know, it was just, it's just random really, I, I love that song, and it's obviously my version is very different to the original, which is just you know. But it, it was, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm waffling. Sorry, I don't know what I'm saying. No, it's fine. As an anecdote, when that song came out, I bought the 12 inch single version of it, and the hole is not right in the middle of the vinyl. <laughs> so as you play the record, the synth in the background goes and makes it really creepy and makes me think that they really should have recorded it like that. There's one of your problems with vinyl, right? Yeah. Yes, the problems with vinyl. 
And speaking of vinyl, we noticed that your album will be released on vinyl, as well as, I assume, CD and streaming. No cassette. <laughs> no. And um, the CD has a couple more tracks on it than the vinyl LP, and I'm wondering if that was because if that was due to quality issues. Uh, yeah, basically, um, it was recommended to us that, you know, vinyl is, I think it was something like 16 to 18 minutes per side, and anything above that, and you do start to lose quality, apparently, so... And that was just a decision based on the fact that we felt, you know, we didn't want the songs to kind of uh, deteriorate, lose quality kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it, it's a shame because it, it changes the flow of, you, know, you can do a million different track listings and it can change the sound of an album completely. But uh, I think, yeah, we spent a lot of time thinking about what's, what songs would go on each. So we just, we came to that decision. It was what we had to do really and so uh, i'm assuming that vinyl and and creating a, a releases in in physical media is part of the regimen it wasn't like you decided to be fun to release something on lp it was nope we got to release on vinyl well we're working with this um manchester-based independent label called gondwana records and so they've supported us all throughout this process of of making the album and then what to do next with it so um they're, they're kind of helping us uh, with with all this planning and recommended it, you know, a, a run of vinyl and, and a run of CDs. So we're, um, but I think because a big part of what we plan to do is go gigging. So we, we want physical albums to to sell and, uh, and just, yeah, I think that was, that's what we're aiming for really. And does that work when you go to a gig? Do you sell a lot of records? I remember back in the days in New York, I'd go to gigs in Lower East Side and you'd, you'd buy two bucks for a cassette and, and a lot of people would buy them, but, you know, it ended up being maybe 20 records they'd sell in a, in a show. Yeah, I mean, you could, that could be, um, I don't know because I haven't actually had anything to sell. That's right, gig, your record's not out yet. When When is your record out? October the 12th. Oh, Okay. It's months. Uh, yeah, it's a while away still. I, I know from my experience that I, I personally love, you know, buying albums and CDs and, and vinyl as well. Um, and also through my experience busking as well. Um, I've been busking with other musician friends who have sort of DIY made their own CDs. and But beautiful, you know, beautiful things. They've had them done kind of properly, not just uh, even though people make them themselves at home and it can be lovely, but I'm just, I just mean they've really gone for it and made a lovely, thoughtful uh, piece and, and it, they sell really well. And then someone who wouldn't normally stumble across you busking has found you and it's a lovely thing to take away. So I think that's a really, really good idea. <laughs> so what's it like busking? I'm just outside of Stratford-upon-Avon and if I go into town, there's always two or three people busking and there's the violinist playing, I don't know, Flight of the Bumblebee. And there's a the guitarist playing something Spanish. Or there's the guy with the click track and the amplifier and the guitar doing Rolling Stones covers. But I, I assume you're busking your own songs out there, right? Yeah, I, uh, I do uh, play mostly originals and then a few obscure covers or covers done in like weird ways. Like you heard the, the Joy Division. The Joy Division, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean... Yeah, it's a it's a different world busking to gigging. It's like it it can be quite daunting because you don't you know you're playing in the middle of a street singing at the top of your lungs singing personal songs and people haven't paid to come and see you. So just you know putting yourself on them basically 
and so it's um it's a different experience but it can be really lovely and you know we we've been kind of we've gotten into it so much that we've gone off in our van across Europe multiple times and we're sort of paying our petrol money by busking and getting to the next place and that's just such an exciting thing I think it's great fun and the people you meet and what you know you're inspired to carry on really it, it must be a very strange thing because as you said you're out there singing your songs and people are just walking by yeah and they just walk by and they're maybe hearing you for 45 seconds and occasionally some people will stop but most of they just walk by and it, it's kind of odd you're kind of Walking through this cloud of music, and after you get to a certain distance, it's gone. Well, the other interesting thing, too, is that when people are interested, they actually give you money. That's yes. an amazing <laughs> thing. Yeah, it is. It's, it's nice. It's kind of when you, but it's nice when you're not like, when you're not doing it to as your sole source of income, because I've been there when we've been abroad and we've had to make money to, to move on or find somewhere to park up, you know, a campsite or something with our van. And that's a bit gets a bit pressured then, and it's a bit you know unreliable really. It's a very sort of up and down way of making money in music. You can have a really good day, or you can have a really terrible day in that sense. But it's also I, I like it for I use busking as like a practice, a trial of new songs, and also because I'm not really um, guitar wasn't my first instrument. I'm more of a pianist. And I, um, I've been practicing guitar a lot more lately and write, wrote most of the album on the guitar. And so I, I'm not sure how, I, I'm not sure why I decided to launch myself out there and start busking, but it was quite soon after, you know, picking it up. And it's just been a learning process really for me. That's what I've used it for. And, and I enjoy it more, more often than not. I enjoy it. Well, there's nothing like live performances to learn how to play music to learn how audiences react and all that obviously busking's a bit different than playing in bars i mean my music experience is limited to jamming with friends at parties or playing a couple of times in bars it can be unforgiving but you learn an awful lot about what you're doing because you're connecting with people so quickly particularly in that small intimate atmosphere I mean, when I say I, pra I use it as practice, I don't literally go out and start, like, learning a piece there and then. Like, of course. No, it's it's practicing delivering the music, isn't it? Yeah, it's just kind of trialing what works straight back as well because I play it in more of a band setup now, so it's good to see if some of the songs kind of can can kind of stand up just straight back and... Yeah, it's just, it's just a nice thing. You're workshopping it, that's what they would say. That's what they say in theatre, yeah. So you've gone to a number of countries. Where are people more receptive to your music and where are people less receptive? I think we've had a really good time busking in Germany and also playing gigs in Germany recently. We, we've teamed up with a, a friend who, um, who works for a booking company called Four Artists and we're so lucky that they're in, they like our music and we're getting gigs out in Germany that we just came back uh, a week ago um, from, we went to Berlin, Hamburg and Brandenburg and played three lovely festivals and they were all really busy gigs and much busier than we play at home actually. It's really interesting how, you know, we kind of, I mean, we don't we don't have much of a following in Germany, I don't think at this point, but it's nice to kind of be part of these festivals where we've been, been able to be, you know, play our music in front of, you know, a, a good audience and uh, so Germany's been really nice playing there. And I mean, I, I just love traveling. So 
we've been to loads of lovely cities all over. I love I love Italy. I love I love France, and there are places you can't busk. Um, some places are don't don't like it as much as others, but um, yeah, we we've had a good time across Europe, just sort of going from place to place. Well, that German thing worked well for the Beatles. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, it's it's just a nice out. Like I love Berlin. I'm really. I love that place. I've been three times now and it's just such a cool city and it's nice to just get outside of, as much as I love Manchester for music and the scene around here that I feel a part of, it's nice to just explore what else is going on out there and try and I think ultimately if you want to like, you know, make make music your your life, then you do need to maybe explore a bit further but it's just it's just getting those opportunities and seeing what comes along. You mentioned festivals. We didn't have festivals when we were young. We had outdoor concerts, maybe two or three bands. We in New York there was a summer festival in Central Park where there would be three or four concerts a week, but it wasn't the same thing. When you go to a festival you've got multiple stages and you've got thirty or fifty artists. That that is a big change because let's say you've gone to the festival and you don't like the artists who are on the main stages and you wander around and you may just chance upon a musician who's singing something at that point that grabs you it's true and that's happened to me a lot actually just going to festivals and i i really do go for the music so i i love to discover stuff there i yeah i think it's a great way of i mean yeah there's all sorts of festivals as well big and small so they're not all like you know costing you loads and loads some of them are the littler ones are lovely and uh yeah i think they're a great way to find new music and do you meet a lot of other musicians in these places? What's what's the cross pollination like in these festivals? Um, in Germany, we we did meet a lot of lovely people, and everyone was really supportive of each other and listened to each other's sets and was very, you know, uh, encouraging. And you know, it's all sorts of different genres as well. So it's nice that people are interested and supportive. Um, I, I haven't actually played that many festivals. We did. We did Kendall, uh, fast Kendall Calling last year, and um, that that was a fun festival. We ended up getting weekend passes and we stayed for the weekend and watched loads of bands. And it was a bit of a Manchester takeover. Lots of our friends' bands were playing as well, so that was good fun. But I guess yeah, I'm a massive gig goer, so I'm I'll always go and if I can get a pass to a festival, I <laughs> love to to go and see as much as possible. Really? Yeah, Manchester's a great place for that. There is an extraordinary amount of music there. Um, unfortunately, the Hacienda is now an apartment block, but there's all sorts of other places. I would have loved that. I think I would have yeah. enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, no, there's still a lot going on. It's a great scene, and the, but there's like multiple scenes. There's so much uh, different um, music coming out of Manchester. It's really exciting. Same with everyone. I read somewhere recently where the uh, the mayor of Manchester was making a big push to uh, remind the world about Manchester's rich music scene, rich music history. I mean, you expect a mayor to promote his city, but uh, he seems particularly interested in the music scene. I know the mayor, Andy Burnham, is really into his music because I've seen him at gigs. <laughs> huh. Bumped into him at a few gigs, like seeing him with his son, who I think loves music. So that's nice. I think it's definitely always going to be an important sort of credit to the city like everyone always tries and keeps it alive and it's a mass like you know we've got good festivals there's the jazz festival and there's the international festival which are massive events and um 
you know, this, and then there's loads of branches and independent festivals. I, I also put on gigs myself, little ones, and everyone's really like just does everything they they can music wise. I think it's a thriving place for it. Yeah, I think outside of London, Manchester probably has the best scene in the UK. We go to Birmingham every once in a while for classical concerts at Symphony Hall and Town Hall, but there's really not much else in Birmingham. I mean, there's probably smaller gigs, but in terms of the medium, fairly well-known bands, they don't really play in Birmingham unless unless it's an arena show. Like, didn't you two play, or Springsteen played there last year? But it doesn't have that sort of, it doesn't have that range of music from small to large that Manchester does. Yeah, I think Manchester is a really great city for it. But then there's, I, I went to uni at Newcastle and studied music, and that's also... I discovered got, you know, multiple scenes and stuff going on. I think it's just sort of sussing it out. That's why I'm really excited to go traveling a bit more and immerse myself in other kind of uh, music communities because there's just so much out there. Like Newcastle has that, what's that funny shaped venue in Newcastle? The Sage. The Sage, yeah. It's just across the water, yeah, across the, the river. Next to that cool bridge. Yeah. We went to the theater there once and stayed in the hotel right by the bridge. Oh, yes. It's lovely around there on the quayside. It's yeah. very, very... There's an art museum. There's the Sage is up on a hill. <laughs> There's a lot of restaurants and all. It's it's yeah. a it's a very... It's a pretty hip area of, of the town. It's quite nice. I love it. I, I really want to go back. I haven't actually managed to visit for for a while now, but I'm, I'm hoping to go and see some friends go to some music gigs soon. <laughs> Yeah, it's cool. So I'm going to sound like a job interview. Where do you see yourself in five years? Oh, that's really hard right now. We're like, I don't know. We're just um, Are you thinking yeah. of the future or are you just living in the present and doing one thing after another? I think mostly I do try and take it just day by day. And you just, you know, I really hope that in five years time I get to, you know, make music my main thing. Right now I juggle teaching piano on Saturdays and I work at a music venue, the Bridgewater Hall, as a steward. Um, and oh, I, okay. I busk as well just to, to sub myself a bit more. But, like, it would uh, – and I like doing that, to be honest. I'm really happy doing, like, bits and pieces. I love the, the teaching. Piano is really nice. Um, I would just hope we can make, you know, uh, just build our, build our following a bit and get gigging around more. And, you know, that would just be ideal um, and, and travel more. That's, that's basically it's it. It's a slow, gradual process. Definitely. And, and it's really hard to predict. Uh, you know, it, it's not like Tony Wilson is going to sign you or or play the music on whatever the radio show was. What was the show that he did in back in... The TV show was So It Goes. Right. The thing that he's well known for in the beginning of 24-Hour Party People, the movie, there was a thing. So he'd, he'd pick up the Sex Pistols and he'd have them on his TV show there. But that's not going to happen anymore because there's just so much music and so many channels, and and it it it's it must be frustrating. But on the other hand, as you said earlier, you have so many opportunities that if you're a go getter and if you can take advantage of them, then they will work for you. I was just going to say you seem to have your your fingers in a lot of pies musically, and I think that's to your advantage. I mean, I've I've hung out with musicians when I was younger, and not everybody wanted to rise to the occasion but you seem to be like 
you want to be a troubadour. You want to be a professional musician. This is what you want to do with your life. And you're and you're the real deal. It's not like you just want to go out and play clubs. You want to go and busk. You want to produce. You want to you want to perform. So it, you want to pay your dues. But also, it's fun to pay the dues at your age. As you get older, it won't be that much fun, but still. I guess I've, I've just always enjoyed doing a variety of things, and if they're creative things, I enjoy that even more. So, you know, I, I'm just, I'm just open-minded, I guess, and I like to try things. I like to. I always push myself out my comfort zone as well. I'm quite like determined to, you know. Um, if I don't feel like busking one day, I'm like, well, you know, maybe you've already agreed to it with your friend. You can't let her down, so you, sh- you should. <laughs> um, kind of just, I don't know. I guess I, yeah, I just like doing different things. And if it's music related, that's just my favorite thing to do. Well, it's been great talking to you. You know, we on this show, we've talked about how bad the music industry is becoming. And we tend to ignore people in your position for whom it is a lifestyle. And who do want to make it work. So, you know, thumbs up, all the best. I really think, I really hope this is going to work out for you. We will definitely make sure to mention the record when it comes out in October. But thanks so much for taking time to talk to us. It's been lovely. Thank you. And I I did, I have listened to a a show you sent me. I'd, I'd definitely be tuning in. So thank you. Now, feels like we sort of ought to do our next tracks, Kirk. This morning before we recorded, I was looking for something to listen to. I was doing some editing work. And what kind of music can I listen to that will help me edit? And, you know, I have my standards, Grateful Dead or Hot Tuner or Brian Eno and things like that. And I decided I wanted to find something that I hadn't listened to in ages. So I went into my classical orchestral genre and I just flipped around and I said, Rachmaninoff. I never listened to Rachmaninoff. So I listened to Rachmaninoff's second piano concerto. Now... Rachmaninoff's Second Piano Concerto is one of those things that even if you've never heard it, you have heard parts of it. There are at least three Frank Sinatra songs that are taken from that. Full Moon and Empty Arms, I Think of You, and Ever and Forever. Now, if you're as old as Doug and I, you will remember the song All By Myself by Eric Carmen, which was a hugely popular Top 40 song, which also comes from that Rachmaninoff Concerto. Not a fan of this schmaltzy music, to be honest, but every once in a while, it's like you just want to put this on and blast it. And it makes you, it kind of reminds you of those commercials back in the 70s for the 100 great, great classics where they would have these little excerpts. And I remember they would always have full moon and empty arms was always one of the things that would appear in the scroll on TV. Was that KTEL Records or whatever? So anyway, Rachmaninoff second. The version that I listened to was by... Um, the New York Philharmonic with Leonard Bernstein, Andre Watts playing piano. It's from a box set of Bernstein's concerto recordings. Might be out of print. If it's not, I'll link to it in the show notes, or I'll see if I can find it on Apple Music. Doug, you probably don't have anything as interesting as Rachmaninoff's second piano concerto. Talking about the Manchester music scene and Keelan describing her music as folk adelic reminded me of another Manchester factory records band, Happy Mondays. Their third album, Pills and Thrills and Bellyaches, from 1990, I think is the best of their early stuff. One of its producers was Paul Oakenfold. And uh, in fact, their first album was produced by John Cale. Frankly, however, I didn't pay any attention to these guys at the time. Happy Mondays did not have much impact in the U.S. I remember U.S. critics were kind of lukewarm about them. But in the U.K., they had a handful of hits. And they were one of the bands that helped put the Hacienda on the rave map. 
Now, I wouldn't call them a rave band. They don't do hardcore EDM. But they have this laid-back funk thing going on. You listen long enough, and your shoulders and your hips just start swinging. And there's a bit of a psychedelic factor, too. I mean, Sean Ryder, who is their lead singer, always sounds like some guy they pulled out of an audience to sing Stream of Consciousness lyrics. But in general, their songs are groovy, lush affairs. So if all you know about Manchester is Joy Division, New Order, The Smiths, Oasis, Stone Roses, and that ilk, check this album out. Happy Mondays, Pills and Thrills and Bellyaches is my next track. This has been The Next Track, a podcast about how people listen to music today. You can find show notes and links to some of the things we talked about in this and other episodes at thenexttrack.com. There's also a contact form there you can use to send us comments. If you like the show, we hope you'll subscribe in iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And please think about giving us a review or rating. We'd appreciate that. I'm Doug Adams, and for Kirk McElhern, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>